Hi, welcome to Harvest Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen today, you are blessed and encouraged. Thank you so much for listening in. If you want any more information about our ministry, we'd love you to jump onto our website, harvestaustralia.org. Have a great day. So today I want to share on what I've called the, the images of Christ. And throughout the Bible, we have many pictures or illustrations of, or types of Christ. Uh, and so I want to just explore four of them today. And the first one is the lion. Second one is the lamb. Third one is the king. And the fourth one is the lover. And there's many others that Jesus is referred to or God is referred to in Scripture and, uh, and it gives us a little broader picture of the nature of God. And so um, Michael Yusuf says this, While many try to ignore Jesus, when he returns in power and might, this will be impossible. I think that's a great saying because it kind of levels the playing field. There's a lot of noise in today's society. There's a lot of people who think we're crazy doing what we do on Sunday mornings, meeting together, going to church. Do you still believe in that stuff? Is, is there still people who follow, you know, that God? And, and of course there is this more than ever before, in fact. And sometimes we just have to remind ourselves we're on the winning team. We're on the winning team. We're not on the losing team. Sometimes the loudest noise doesn't win. But when Jesus returns everyone is going to know that he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Every knee will bow. Even those who, don't even, who have never even believed in Jesus and who maybe have mocked him and, and, and denied him many, many times, they are going to see in an instant that Jesus Christ is the King of kings. And there's going to be a great revelation of the truth of who he is. And at that time, who knows what's going to happen? We don't know exactly how that's going to happen. But if you're ever frustrated that people aren't listening to you about Jesus, then just remember you're on the winning team. And sometimes we don't have the words or the actions to display his kingdom properly, but he does. He's not limited by our lack of faith. He's not limited by our lack of action. He's not limited by our, act, our lack of not knowing what to do in that situation. And so he's bigger than all of that. So I want to explore. We're going to turn to Revelation 5. I haven't put it up on the screen today because there's kind of, it's higgledy-piggledy and it just would have been too hard. Uh, is that okay? So open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 5. I've got to work out which part we're going to read. But this passage explores both the lion and the lamb of who Jesus is. And, uh, and so we're going to read from, from verse 1. It's a fair bit to read, but read with me. Then I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. There was writing on the inside and the outside of the scroll, and it was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals on this scroll and open it? But no one in heaven or on earth or under earth was able to open the scroll and read it. Then I began to weep bitterly because no, no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. But one of the 24 elders said to me, Stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, 
the heir to David's throne, has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered, but it was now standing between the throne and the four living beings and among the 24 elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which represent the sevenfold Spirit of God that is sent out into every part of the earth. He stepped forward and took the scroll in the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. And when he took the scroll, the four living beings and 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. And we can keep reading and it gets even weirder and weirder the more you read. Okay, Revelation is just one of those books. But in this, we see a lot of pictures We see a lot of elements of God that just pure logical writing out about the description of God probably wouldn't capture. But in Revelation, we see here Jesus is depicted as both a lion and a lamb. And I think it's interesting because the lion of the tribe of Judah, the lion is is ultimate power. That's how we would see, you know, in the animal kingdom, king of, king of the animals, if you like. And so we see ultimate power, ultimate strength. And the next moment, the vision changes and he's a lamb. Ultimate vulnerability and sacrifice and weakness. And we've had some lambs and we know that, you know, they, they, they are kind of weak. They need a lot of help to, to stay alive, actually. And uh, there's a lot of prey and a lot of things that can go wrong. And so from one vision, the lion, the next vision, the lamb. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the lion of his people. But when he came to earth, he became a lamb. And he didn't use all of that strength and might. He gave himself as a sacrifice and laid down his life like a lamb to slaughter. So we see here the the ultimate power and the ultimate weakness, if you like. And he didn't use all of that power to deny himself of the sacrifice that he gave for you and for me. And so in this image, we see here that we can explore the nature of Christ when we, when we read Scripture and when we get a greater revelation of who He really is. Sometimes we need to remind ourselves that Jesus is not a wimp. He's, he's not just going to keep on keeping on silent forever. There is coming a day of reckoning. There's coming a day of reckoning for you and for me where we will be judged. And where our good deeds, if you like, will be looked upon. And so if you keep reading here, you can actually see that, that um, I'll see if I can find it really quickly, but I probably can't. No, I can't. Um, but we'll, we'll read another passage in a minute where it talks about the, the, the bowl of incense, the worship being poured out and the good deeds of what we have done being measured. And so these things are important for us as believers to look at and say, when we know we have the lion of the tribe of Judah, we're on his team, we're on the winning team. Everything we do comes from an attitude of we will win. In fact, we have won. And it's not something to be arrogant about, but in today's society, we can feel heavy and like we're on the losing team and like we have everything against us. But we've got to remember the line of the tribe of Judah is coming to roar again over his people. And we are his bride and he will collect us up and we will be rewarded. And I pray he says, well done, good and faithful servant. 
And so he's, he's going to measure mankind. And it's a, it's a great thought because it levels a whole lot of the noise going on in society. If you're ever confused and depressed about what's going on in the world, just remember Jesus is coming soon. He is coming soon for you and for me. And so after looking at the lion and the lamb, I then want to look at him as king. Revelation 19. Let's have a little look at that for a minute. For some reason, it doesn't want to open. Just talk amongst yourselves for a minute because this has never done this to me before. Is that right? Oh, I'm glad it does it to you. All right, it's just opened up. Here's a description of Jesus. And if, um, if I'm ever really needing his help, this is the picture I want. Revelation 19, 11. Then I saw heaven opened and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True. For he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. The armies of heaven, dressed in the finest pure white linen, followed him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release a fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, like juice flowing from a wine press. On his robe at his thigh was written this title, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. And then it goes on and, and there's, there's so many more pictures and illustrations there that you can only read Revelation in doses. I don't know if you've done that yourself, but you know, a few chapters is kind of too much. And then you need to go to references and commentaries to find out what the heck is this talking about? But here we have Jesus, the King. Do you know, Jesus is the ultimate warrior. He's the ultimate warrior. There's many battles that we face, many things that we go through in life, but Jesus is the ultimate warrior who will carry us through. He will carry us through struggles, doubts, fears, opposition. He is with us. And sometimes we need to remember even in this day and age, that there is coming a time where this is going to come to pass and we are going to see him in his fullness. And whether it's exactly like this, I mean, who, who really knows uh, how it's going to take place? But here's a description for us to picture. When you're feeling down, remember, Jesus is your ultimate warrior. He's the ultimate king of all kings and Lord of all lords. He is above every other God. Every other God is going to be exposed to be false. And every eye will see and declare that this is the true King of Kings. Not any of the others, as good as some of them might have been, as good as some of the faith elements that, that uh, they've taken out and, and they use and, and some good works are done. Every eye will see that Jesus Christ is Lord. And there will be no disputing there will be no social media arguing that is this really him or is this someone else? Everyone will know Jesus is Lord. And everyone will see his fiery eyes. 
And, and this depiction, and, and we, will, we will see this ultimate warrior, and he's coming for you, and he's coming for me. If you ever have a, depress, a depressive thought, then remember Jesus is coming for you. He's coming for you. He's coming for you. There is a day when all of this other stuff will disappear and the rider on the white horse will come. And whether we're with him already or whether he comes when we're all here, we don't know the hour. We don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. The Bible says don't even worry about tomorrow. It has enough concerns of its own. It's kind of depressing, isn't it? But don't even worry about tomorrow. Worry about today. These are the things we focus on. And when we get a kingdom eternal perspective on life, we realise that our issues are non-issues. Ever realise that? That when you start reading this stuff, you think, oh my goodness, I've been so worried about this situation. The King of Kings has everything under control. He is bigger than all of our problems. He's bigger than depression. He's bigger than what we're going through right now. And sometimes when we just look to heaven and we see the rider on the white horse with the fiery eyes and that sacrifice and that sword, and we can actually get some idea of how powerful He really is. There is no one more powerful than Jesus Christ. There is no power. There is no... There is nothing in this world, no force. There's no, I know they're discovering planets all the time. And I heard one the other day that discovered a new planet and, I'm think, and, and it was, was fantastical. Um, but it was going to take something like 280 years for anyone to fly from here to there. And I'm like, well, that's not really a lot of help to us. And so they've decided they're not going to even try. And I'm like, well, you know, that sort of makes sense. We're always searching, aren't we? Human beings are always searching for something greater. Is there another planet? Are there aliens? Is there something out there? What about this? What about that? And here we have the ultimate revelation of all time sitting right in front of us. The rider on the white horse. He is the king. Every eye is going to know it. Everyone is going to declare that this is the truth. So if you've ever questioned or if you've ever had anyone, I mean, try this next time, maybe you're at uni or at school or at uh, work or around other people who aren't Christians, just try this. And, you know, maybe they're making comments about Jesus or some of your beliefs and things like that. Just for a moment, just picture the rider on the white horse right there with you, right there with you. I can imagine his horse sort of just nudging them. You know what I mean? In that battle scene, kind of just sort of pressing them, reminding them that he's the king. Doesn't matter about man's opinions. What matters is the Word of God and the eternal truth of salvation. And this stuff overrides feelings. It overrides opinions. It overrides political correctness. It overrides all the different decisions and thoughts that we might have. The Word of God stands true. And so sometimes in this modern society, we need to go back and research Scripture. We might have a feeling or we might have an idea about various philosophies that are going on earth right now. I want to challenge you, go back to Scripture and see what it says about that stuff. See what it says. I mean, in the church today, there's, there's even a lot of you know, question over, say, the grace of God or e even gender ideology. And, and so you've, you've got confusion even over the body of Christ. But then when we get back to the Word of God and we read the Word of God in context, in the love of God, we can actually see answers. We can see answers to these issues, not our feelings, not just social justice, not just nice things to say, but actually the Word of God, which is truth. 
And so we need to have a lens of that in everything we see. The last one is lover. Now, this is an interesting one because particularly for guys, that can be a strange thought about having Jesus as our lover. And I've read some stuff even recently and, and there's some much more conservative uh, guys who have written things and kind of written against the ideology of Jesus, our lover. And then I, I read back and, and remembered, but read back on a, on a poem written by a, a great um, in fact, probably the most face, famous hymn writer, Charles Wesley. And he wrote this when he was coming under attack. He was hiding behind some bushes and uh, a bunch of hooligans were attacking. He was getting a lot of opposition with his brother, John Wesley, leader of the Great Awakening. And, and so they were coming under a lot of opposition, getting stoned and beaten up for preaching the gospel. And he was hiding somewhere at the time. And he wrote this out because he was the great, great poet and hymn writer. But this was a poem that he wrote called Jesus, Lover of My Soul. And it says, Jesus, lover of my soul, let me to thy bosom fly. While the nearer waters roll, while the tempest still is high. Hide me, O my Saviour, hide, till the storm of life is post. Safe into the haven guide, O receive my soul at last. He thought he was probably going to die, I'm assuming. Thou, O Christ, art all I want. More than all in thee I find. Raise the fallen, cheer the faint, heal the sick and lead the blind. Just is holy is thy name. I am all unrighteousness, vile and full of sin I am. Thou art full of truth and grace. Plenteous grace with thee is found, grace to cover all my sin. Let the healing streams abound, make and keep me pure within. Thou of life the fountain art, freely let me take of thee. Spring thou up within my heart, raised to all eternity. And this uh, actually has, uh, this song has been, it was a poem that then got turned into a hymn and it's been in, I believe, just about more hymn, hymnals, the books, hymnal books that we used to have the books around the place. I think we still got one somewhere. Um, none of us can understand English, but uh, it, they're there uh, more, more than any other uh, in the English language. And so this really hit a chord with mankind. Something about Jesus, lover of my soul. And in the Great Awakening, God was moving very, very powerfully. But one of the things he restored to the body of Christ was Jesus the lover. Through this song, got sang at so many different meetings and services all over England, then all over America, all over Europe. And so it was an awakening of Jesus as lover. And we read in 1 John 4:19, We love because he first loved us. The only way we can love, truly love, is because He first loved us. While we were still sinners, He laid down His life for us. And so out of His love, out of His treasury of love, we have love. Because in and of ourselves, I don't know about you, but if I'm honest, it's probably not a river of love. It's nice when people are nice to us. But that's sort of just rewarding people with, with how they treat us. But what about when they're not? What about those who need compassion, who maybe don't deserve compassion or haven't earned our compassion? And so we have different challenges of love. And they sort of challenge our own reservoir of love. And I, I know that this is one of those things that for, for guys to picture the love of Jesus Christ. But then when we see the cross... 
Then when we see the rider on the white horse, then when we see his sacrifice, we see the lion and we see the lamb and we see all the elements, the images of Christ, it gives us a greater reference point for his love for you and for me. He laid down his life for you because he loves you. If you don't know that today, if you have never given your life to Jesus, it may be just an aha moment for you that Jesus Christ laid down his life for you, for all mankind, but for you. And he made himself, if you like, a sacrificial lamb, the lion into a lamb. But then he didn't stay a lamb. He conquered sin. He conquered death. And now he is the rider on the white horse. He is the king. And he does have love, which he wants to pour out onto mankind. It's one of the, we had um, Jeremy Jakes, a senior pastor at Gateway Baptist Church here on Friday night. And um, it was interesting because we had a panel. The guys did an amazing job. We had a panel with questions and Karen and I were on the, on the panel. And um, Jeremy afterwards, he said, man, it, it, it just hit me how different you and Karen are. And he said, she just oozes love, you know. She's just oozing it out and everything. And I'm saying, well, what does that make me? (laughs) And so we had a counselling session after that (laughs) to set things straight. (laughs) I get it. I get it. I get what he was saying. But sometimes it's, you know, we might think it's not in our nature to ooze the love of Jesus. I remember we used to sing the sloppy wet kiss song, cause controversy over the body of Christ. Controversy. How can you sing sloppy wet kiss? There was another vineyard one before that, 10 years before that was the same. You'll find generally it's conservative men that have a problem with it. It is. If you look at the people who complain about that sort of stuff, it's conservative men. And so because we sometimes have an issue, I'll put myself in that bracket, we sometimes have an issue with real intimacy with the Father, real intimacy with Jesus. And yet when we read Scripture, when you read the Psalms, you read Solomon, it's very hard to get away from the intimacy that God wants with you and with me. So His love is a force that we can't deny. And His love is a force that goes beyond whatever your experience is with your natural father, natural mother, uh, any surroundings, any levels of authority in your life. You may have seen love that didn't display what you now depict to be the love of God. That wasn't the love of God. The love of God surpasses everything. It surpasses all knowledge. It surpasses all experience. It surpasses even the best parent's love that they can give you is just a drop in a bucket compared with the love of God. And His love does cover over a multitude of sins and it washes away a whole lot of stuff. So when we see Jesus as the lion, we get fresh authority and we go, yeah, he's with me. When we see him as the lamb, we remember his sacrifice. We remember his price he paid for you and for me. And then we remember he's the king. He rules over everything. And it doesn't matter what anyone says. It doesn't matter what authorities rise up in this world. Uh, I was watching like five minutes of a Hitler thing yesterday. I know it's weird, but... But I'd never really listened to him talking and I'm listening to him talking and I'm thinking he literally thought he was going to rule the world. God tore him down. He tore him down. 
And so we've got to remember that doesn't matter which opposition rises up against Jesus. And the Bible says there will be more. There will be. We can see this stuff. We can see wars and rumours of wars and people will rise up. There'll be antichrist or antichrists. And so maybe we've seen some, maybe there's more to come. We can expect confusion, but Jesus, Jesus, the rider on the white horse, will take ultimate sweep of the earth and he'll harvest those who believe in him. And then we see lover. And we can only love because He first loved us. When I remember what He's done for me, it goes past logic. It goes past logic. And then it begin, begins to be relational. When I went to a training course, leadership training course a few months ago, and it's, it's been a really good thing for me because it put some language to some stuff. They put people in two boxes of how, how you are. You're either relational or transactional. And I remember sitting there and I think, well, it's not hard for me to work out which one I am. <laughs> and some people are a combination of both. And I know there's a whole different myriad of descriptions of how you can look at yourself and personality types. But this was just talking specifically in interaction with other people, relational or transactional. And, uh, and so relational people are generally warm and they like hanging around people and they, they get filled up when they're around other people and, and they, just, they just like relating in a... In a normal way that, that builds each one another up and that, that fills up their love tank. And then there's transactional people who like to get things done, tick boxes, and, and, and that's just another language. It's another way of doing life. And, uh, and so getting an understanding sometimes on this that generally relational people may find an emotional connection to God, the Father, Spirit, and Jesus easier than transactional people. Because transactional people will be transacting, where is that in the Word of God? You know what I mean? They're going through a filter. Is that safe? Is that okay? Is the doctrine okay? Uh, do I like what they're wearing today? Um, do you know what I mean? There's transactions going on. Um, did we, uh, is, are we on time? Uh, did we get welcomed good at the door this morning? Transactions, transactions. Uh, and then you're normally thinking of a few transactions that you've got to do when you leave here. Okay, I've got to go to the petrol station and get some petrol. Which one's the cheapest petrol station? The one on that side of the road or that side? Transactions. Transactional people thinking of transactions. And then when we relate together, it's, it's transactional. And so getting past this is sometimes a bit of a barrier. Do you know what? If you're transactional, welcome to the club. And it's okay. Don't feel bad about being transactional. The world has some very, very, very efficient transactional people. And a lot of them are multi-millionaires because they transaction really well. <laughs> but ultimately, God's work is a work of the heart. And so He wants your heart and He wants my heart, which surpasses our minds and it surpasses a whole lot of personality things. And Jesus, the lover, will bring us into revelation that we can never get any other way. We can know the Word of God. We can understand things. We can transact. We can even do great works. But unless we know the love of God, we never get the full revelation of who He is. He died because of love. You live because of love. He is gracious because of love. God gave His Son because He loved. Love is the essence of everything that carries us together. Everything we do is because of the love of God, even if we don't know it because He first loved us. And so if you've never really 
got past some of those barriers of thinking about God and about Jesus as your lover, I want to encourage you, explore the fact that He loves you. He loves you even if you don't even know how to love Him. He loves you even if your knowledge of Him you think is too small or too um, you know, minimalistic or you just don't know what to believe here and there. He still loves you the same now as He will in 10 years' time. His love is all-encompassing, all-surrounding. Even if you trip up, He still loves you. See, this is the thing about God. It goes beyond our understanding of love because we're loved by humans and we love other people on a human standard. And it's such a fraction of the love of God. God's love goes deep. Jesus wants to have an intimate love with you and with me that will actually give us a revelation of how to love other people. And it's challenging sometimes. It's challenging and, uh, and it can be confronting and it can go against the grain. Your flesh might be itching to say things in an opposition, but somehow the love of God flows through you and says something that's completely not you. It's Him. And that's how the love of God works. And then He trains us and He teaches us. But He first loved us. I want to pray. Let's stand actually. Lord, we thank you that you've shown us so much of yourself. Lord, I pray for anyone here this morning who doesn't know you, who doesn't know that love of Jesus, the salvation, the hope and the future, that you would speak to them right now and show them your heart. You would pour out your love into their life. And Lord, I pray for Anyone here this morning also who maybe has just forgotten that revelation of their first love with you. Maybe it's got hard, it's got tough, it's got confusing and it's just got boring even. The love of Jesus Christ will override all of that. It's all about His love for you. It's not about what you can do. It's not about how you look or how you sound. It's about His love for you. And He loves you the same yesterday, today, and forever. And nothing you can do is going to make Him love you any more than He loves you right now. You are fully accepted. You are fully loved. You are fully adored by the Father. And I believe He just wants to give a fresh revelation of that love this morning. Lift your hands if you just want a fresh revelation. I believe the Holy Spirit's just going to touch some people this morning. John Wesley, the great evangelist in the Great Awakening, he, he had this experience, even though one would say he was well and truly born again. I mean, he was at Oxford studying theology, already knew the Bible better than all of us put together in multiple languages. And yet he had this experience that he called, my heart was strangely warmed from within. Where the Holy Spirit illuminated his heart to the love of God. How much God loved him. All of those prior years, he operated in a transactional mode. Learning, 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 learning. His head knew incredible things, but his heart was strangely warmed in an instant from the touch of the Holy Spirit. 
Holy Spirit, I pray even this morning that you would do a special work in any of us who desire, want or need a greater revelation of who you are, who Jesus is, and that you would strangely warm some of us, Lord, into a deeper revelation of the love of God, that your liquid love would be infused into this place this morning, that you would come and move on our hearts, that you would show us your love, show us your goodness, show us how you're with us, you're not against us, how you've given your Son for for us. And Father, that you would, even this week, let a revelation of your love increase, not decrease, let it increase. More of you, more of you, more of you. We thank you, Lord, that even though we don't deserve it, and there's nothing we can do, not even man pleasing or anyone else pleasing is going to help, but a pure revelation of the love of the Father, the love of Jesus. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come right now. You'd fill this place, that you would warm this place with your presence, your power. I pray that sicknesses in bodies would begin to dissolve. Back pains and blood disorders and organs, misalignments and conditions would begin to dissolve in your presence. Lord, that you would touch pain and sickness and disease Right now, in the name of Jesus, we say be healed. Be healed in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And Lord, we thank you for everything good. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your revelation. Lord, I pray you'd begin to, to a greater work of opening our eyes to see you, opening our eyes to see your goodness, your majesty, your kingship, your authority, your love, your power, your dominion. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Greater revelations, greater revelations, greater revelations. Even this week, just eyes opening and hearts opening. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, we thank you that you are in control. We thank you that you know exactly the timing of everything. That you mark our steps, that you hold our hand, where even when we're tripping up, you still hold our hand. That you're with us day and night, that you're with us through the valleys and on the mountaintops. It doesn't matter where we are, you are with us. And Lord, we just declare you King of Kings over our life. We declare you the authority, the ruler, the lion, the lamb, the lover, and the King of our life. Holy Spirit, we pray you'd help us to walk with you, talk with you. I pray an increase of your presence, even in our community, in our homes, in our thoughts and conversations and dreams. We say more, Lord. We say more, Lord. And we thank you for the good things you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Bless you guys. I want to say one final thing as a testimony to to all of you. Uh, 
I've been meeting with lots of other pastors lately and, and some of them have come to us asking how we've done various things and uh, particularly transitioning. A lot of churches are transitioning at the moment from you know, one, one particular season to another season and, and it can be really hard and we've had numerous leaders coming to us this year asking, how, have, how did you manage some of this stuff? And we just said, well, there's chaos after chaos after chaos <laughs> and then we finally found our way through somehow. Um, but I tell you this, the testimony of you guys, of you guys transitioning. And, and I heard another leader say the other day that they were just astounded at, at some of the, the, the uh, older people in their church just endorsing the young people and saying, we need this, we need this, we need this. We're okay with some of the things, but we need this. And that's what you guys have done. And I just thought I'd give you that testimony. We brag on you. We tell other people about you. And, uh, and it's a good thing. Because we will face seasons and journeys and challenges in the next decades where we need to keep, keep transitioning, keep reforming, keep changing things. And if we just stay in that mindset, the kingdom of God doesn't change, but sometimes our language does. And these and thous, young people don't even know what that means anymore. And, uh, and even some of my stuff, you know, I, uh, they don't even know that either. And so we just got to keep moving, moving forward. And you guys have done that. And we want to thank you for that. Thank you.